fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Okay, here we are, another episode of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. And that means that sitting next to me, of course, is the certified genius, superhero scientist, the man who proves that aliens don't exist, Dr. Michael Denon. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Great to be here again. Uh, and of course, next to him is the enigmatic engineer, the man of a thousand calculations. Uh, he works at a major aerospace company, but out of an undisclosed location. Ben Seepser, thanks for providing your insight today. Glad to be here, Dan. And of course, I'm Daniel J. Glenn, the analytical mastermind who's going to tie all this stuff together. Uh, so to start off this show, let's get really serious here because this is going to take the combined brain power of us, much like how incredible networks of computers are required to mine Bitcoin. We are going to have to pool all of our resources to figure this one out. Uh, but before I do, I'm going to ask you a very important question. Your life and your future may hinge upon this. Uh, what is your favorite device that Wiley Coyote used to attempt to catch the Roadrunner? Uh, I'm going to go with you first, Denon. My favorite device... That would probably be any sort of mechanism involving an attempt to slingshot himself really fast that usually ends up landing him into a solid rock surface. <laughs> you like that? Yes. Um, because it's incredible, his survival skills. You know, he can mm -hmm. hit a rock surface and survive better than the average coyote. That's very fair to note. Well, and there's always two kinds of failures when it comes to Roadrunner, okay? There's the failure of the device itself, and that's obviously, that falls on Acme. But also, there's a lot of operator error when it comes to Wiley. There is. There is. Um, but I also am impressed, usually, about his ability to slightly miss time actually getting the Roadrunner. What do you mean? Well, you know, he will put that famous bird seed down to distract the Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, and managed not to attack somehow while the Roadrunner's actually eating. Uh, as soon as the Roadrunner is done, the attack will occur. Now, often, often this is equipment failure, but sure. occasionally it is just his operator failure at work. Right. He doesn't have the timing of an athlete. You know how like major athletes have that like incredible timing that puts them in the Hall of Fame. Like he's just lacking that. No, he is. He is. He's got the ambition. He's got the desire. Uh, he's got the money, clearly. But he just he's missing that little, you know, je ne sais quoi. That last, I think deep down he really doesn't want to eat the Roadrunner, and that's what's going on. Oh, you think this is like an internal conflict? It's right? an internal conflict, yes. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, you may be onto something, though, like a self-hating coyote. Exactly. <laughs> wow. I never even thought about that way. That kind of opens up, I mean, that really changes the way you watch, you know, not just that Looney Tune cartoon, but all of them, really. It is. It he, is. He knows it's deep. It. Yeah, he knows that if he caught the Roadrunner, he wouldn't have anything to do. It's pretty boring out there. <laughs> a lot is. of nothing. Because you don't see any other animals. Like, there's no other, um, like, there's no other road. There's only one <laughs> yeah, Roadrunner. It's down to just the two of them. <laughs> yeah. There's one road, some cactuses. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. A couple of mesas. Every now and then, Bugs Buddy tags in. Yeah, every now and again. Yeah. It's rare. It is rare. Um, and he usually sides with the Roadrunner. Um, all right, Ben, what, what about you? If you're trying to catch this guy, what are you using? I'm a fan of all the rocket-based techniques. The rocket doesn't, skates, doesn't surprise the rocket me. pack. It's a little on the nose, don't you think, there? A little too much, but... Yeah. So why do you like to... But I would think you would like working rockets. Well, the, the rockets work. He, it's, it's, really a pro, it's usually yeah. a problem of guidance systems. He really needs to sure. work on his, 
his uh, control surfaces. So how would you improve it if you could? Well, he probably needs some aero surfaces, you know, maybe some fake wings so he can steer himself better while he's at speed. He had a Batman costume that was jet-powered. Hmm. Yeah, jet-powered, not rocket-powered. Oh, pardon me. Excuse me. <laughs> and I do believe the wings burnt up at one point. They were flammable. Yeah. That, was, that was a device failure. That was a device failure. Yeah. Yeah. I really do like the idea of the rocket skates, too. I, I definitely remember you know, him wearing some roller skates. and Oh, without question. Yeah, he ended up on a railroad that track. That sounds fun. Now, how the, the trick with that, I would think, would be that you've got these high-powered rockets on your feet. Yes. You know, if they if you moved your foot left or right, you're going to break your leg or fly in the air. Like the the control system, the propulsion yeah. control. The other the other problem is the thrust is nowhere near the center of mass, so there's a good chance you're just going to get flipped on your back. <laughs> <laughs> like a, the most incredible pratfall, yeah. the high energy pratfall. Uh, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. I like that. My favorite, and you kind of, once again, Denon, you stepped on my foot here a little bit. Uh, my favorite is the bird seed, but with the metal bird seed that's in it. Yes, that and, is and a the good huge one. magnet. Now, because I, I think that out of all of them, if you could convince the, the Roadrunner to actually eat the metal buckshot, which I think that's really the hard part here, is getting him to eat the buckshot, but he's already convinced him to do that, right? So he's already passed that. Once you have the magnet, it feels foolproof. This is like a, a, a strategy I would probably employ. Well, you would probably be able to execute it correctly. That, well, that's the key you. there, Dan. You, you, you're kidding. Right. Because, you know, first of all, going back, you probably don't have the psychological barriers that the coyote does. <laughs> you'd be surprised. To the roadrunner. <laughs> a, you'd be surprised. But go on. Continue the praise. But, um, no, I, I think in this case, what, what, what's shocking sometimes is the degree to which there are significantly other metal objects around. Mm. When he's trying to get the Roadrunner with the magnet, that's mm. usually the flaw in his plan. If you if you call at least, he, I think he's done it multiple times. But the one I'm remembering, a serious amount of stuff mm -hmm. um, comes first. Is that a technical term? Stuff? Is that yes? It, it's a very technical term. Magnetic the stuff. The grass PhD more. level. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it really does cause him problems because that causes severe interference for getting the Roadrunner. Right. Well, and, and w the one I saw uh, recently is it, there's a train. So, again, we talked about civilization. What are the odds that a train comes running through? Um, but that he got caught in the train and then ended up on the tracks, and that was the end of it. Yeah. So that's usually his problem. His, the magnet is just not selective enough. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, so what I'm hinting at here, obviously, is we are talking about arguably the most incredible from a physics standpoint – uh, device that Acme offers in their entire product catalog, and that is the portable hole. Yes. Uh, yes. The, these are pretty cool, um, and we're not talking about the paint. That's a whole separate thing. We'll get in. We can talk about that as far as the f fundamental physics of that go. But I'm talking about the portable hole, the thing that kind of moves around. Just to bring people up to speed, uh, and you guys as well. I got a little history in the portable hole. Did you know that it was the first time that it aired was on a cartoon called? the whole idea without the mm. W and that the actual inventor is a guy named Calvin Q calculus. And so he invents this, of course, his wife is none too pleased. And it originally ends up in kind of like a syringe that he squirts out all over the place. Now, obviously we're not going to talk about how that's possible. Um, but essentially there are two types. There are, there's a hole that is actually a portable hole through an object, meaning that like you could put it on a wall and stick your hand through that wall. 
And then there's the second type, which is basically like a black portal into an unknown dimension or some other worldly place. I think that one's probably the least likely. So let's try to focus, if we can, um, on putting a portable hole through another, putting, being able to walk through another object, be it a wall or floor or whatever. That's what we're going to start with. Um, who wants to hit this first? Who, who thinks they got it? Well, I actually got very excited by this for a couple of reasons. Okay. The first is, now, now the challenge, I'm going to be upfront is to make a hole that makes a hole in the wall, and you can also go through the hole. Okay. So that's, that's tricky here. Oh, so but, you're saying that we can do one or the well, other? Well, yeah, so bear with me for a moment, right? You got okay. It. The easiest way to make a portable hole, I think, is to understand what we can now do with lasers. Right? Okay. We can make lasers incredibly miniature. We can make lasers out of a lot of different materials. So imagine a flexible polymer base that's black and in the shape of a hole. Okay. That when, <laughs> when you put it on the wall, you activate the lasers of the right wavelength to basically de dematerialize the wall you just stuck it on. Um, you know, blast it, cut it open, whatever. Now, there's some other issues there with using lasers to cut through walls, but let's hold off on that for a moment. Okay. Um, of course, your plastic hole that contains your lasers is still there, so you would have to peel it back off before you stuck your arm through. So okay. my, my particular starting design uh -huh. takes the basic idea of a portable hole and turns it into a portable hole maker. Right. So creator. Because so. you can't undo it because the key to the portable hole yeah, is you no, can kind of peel it and move I, it. I, I'm working on that still. Sure. I think there may be. Here's the trouble with everything in physics. Uh -huh. It's so much easier to destroy and make stuff empty than it is to rebuild and put it back together. So going through things is the easy piece. Making it solid again at the end is always the hard piece. Um, so I'm real curious to see what you guys have come up with. But I just like that basic initial idea of miniaturized lasers cutting a hole for you in whatever surface you stick it on. Well, I think that's super interesting. So let's go with that. Let's bring that to now we're going to bring it to the uh, Fascinating Gadget and Gizmos Research Lab. OK, so okay. We, we've, <laughs> we've done R&D. Now we're going to do it. Let's bring it make it a prototype. How do we do that, Ben? Well, so. First of all, does Denon's math hold up? Does that is that work? Yeah, no, you could, I mean, lasers burn stuff. That, that's totally fine. <laughs> okay, fair and, enough. Go and on. What's, what's actually interesting about it is you can get around the, the, the having to peel it off part if you make it disposable, where it burns itself up, too, as it's, as it's burning the hole in your wall. Also, I like that idea. And plus, you, it won't get picked up by spies and you know, reverse engineered right. or anything. Yeah. Perfect for criminals. <laughs> Except you leave the evidence. Well, just the <laughs> well, you hole. Leave the oh, hole. you leave the hole. Yeah, not how you did it. <laughs> you also got to worry about the smoke inhalation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very gas masks. I want to back so, up. <laughs> so, how, so how can we? Do you think this is possible then? The the problem with using lasers is lasers require lots of power. So you, to put that into a flat, foldable. <laughs> Whole, sh whole based sheet. Yeah. Solar power, solar power. Yeah, solar yeah. power. Oh, there you go. So yeah, you could have the surface be some some flexible solar cells, which are a real thing. But solar <laughs> solar power is not too powerful. Maybe you could get some through some really thin drywall, or maybe like a Japanese tatami wall or something to go through. Yeah. Well, uh, well, let's say we're going into a bank vault because I think that bank that's going to be all yeah. right. Yeah. So to, to get through a bank vault, you're even lasers are tough on a bank wall. Uh, anything made of metal, you really want to go more for a plasma cutter than a laser cutter. Um, 
because you, you really need a kind of a a a media to be pushing through the to get, be getting the met, molten metal out of the way. Mm. Whereas a laser, it's just going to reflect and sputter and kind of blow up <laughs> back into your hole. No, that is a problem. And one of the things that with any of these is removing the material even as you vaporize it. Even if you vaporize it, it's still there as gas. Um, you could remove it by breathing it in. You could just suck it all in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do think one of the interesting things that people don't realize often with technology, when you look at something like the portable hole, is how much, how well we're getting at miniaturizing stuff, mm -hmm. uh, how well we're getting at making things out of plastic or flexible materials. Mm -hmm. um, and even when it comes to power, how good we are at getting smaller and smaller and better and better batteries. Not to say that we're there yet, but it's interesting that the fundamental limits are still, I think, farther away. Um, we're not necessarily dealing with fundamental limits and much more technological limits at this point. Hmm. Yeah. Now, these are really great practical ideas. I like that. In so, so here's some quasi in real life examples of ways to walk through things. Uh, well, they're going to be fictional examples, so not really in real life. But so, for example, there was a great fringe episode which kind of got my mind going down. How can we move molecules and atoms out of the way? And so, in that episode, they basically created like an electrical pulse that vibrated the molecules of like a wall, and then they were able to walk through it for a short period of time. It was really interesting. I don't know if that's possible, but I also know that quantum tunneling is a thing that could work, and that's more based on it's more unpredictable that you have to kind of like, it happens once in a while. But if we were to be able to predict when it happened and then harness that power, maybe that could work as well. I know that's a lot and it's very theoretical, but these are also ideas that would m make it more purely the cartoon thing than an actual real life thing. So in, the, in that last one, I like the quantum idea in the following sense. So as you said, quantum tunneling is real, but we know it's, the challenge is for anything bigger than an electron, it doesn't seem to happen very often. So how would you make it so you or your arm or your hand could quantum tunnel through something? Now, since we're going for ideas that don't necessarily have to be perfectly real yet, uh, on the physics side, I'd throw out there, there's a lot of work being done in theoretical physics to figure out if the constants of nature are really constant or if they can be changed. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you can imagine, let's... What determines how well you can quantum tunnel or what can quantum tunnel is really uh, a number called Planck's constant. It's a number Planck came up with. Mm -hmm. And it just sets what, you know, how big something has to be before it no longer tunnels. If you locally can change the constants of the physical, so suppose your portable hole simply messes with the constants of the universe. You mm -hmm. can then create a small region of space where tunneling is easier. Okay, so it's more predictable. And, and then it would become more predictable and uh -huh. more controllable. And then, like you said, you're actually tunneling through the material in a very real quantum way. You don't have to destroy it. You don't have to get it out of the way. Mm -hmm. And it's there when you take the hole off. So it's much more like the portable hole you see in Acme. Got it. Okay. Um, so I cracked the code then is what you're saying. That's what it sounded like. I, I think, well, I, as long as we're you willing to yes. stretch, yes. <laughs> I'll just say yes and then say yes, we're stretching. <laughs> well, now, what about, so So that one's a little difficult because I think harnessing that that 
area that is, you know, kind of a pocket dimension separate of the laws of physics as right. we know them is a little more difficult to kind of maintain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So what about this Fringe idea? Because I, I liked this. Uh, I, first of all, I loved Fringe. I thought it was a great show. And they did some really cool things with kind of playing with this type of physics. Is it possible to vibrate something and kind of get them out of the way or raise them to an energy state or anything like that? Or does that not hold up at all? That's just I'm going to let fiction. Ben talk while I think. Yeah. Okay. My, my worry about when, when you say vibration, you're talking about energy. You're talking about putting energy into the object. And uh-huh. anything, anytime you put energy into it, you're going to end up raising the temperature, potentially melting it, potentially cracking it, you know, like an earthquake or something where most materials aren't going to self-heal that their way back to the mm-hmm. state they were in before you squished all the atoms apart so you could build a hole. Got it. Yeah, that's always the trouble. I, and that's what I was trying to think through. Um, like I said, it's always easier to break and destroy than it is to have it repair. And, you know, one of the things you're dealing with here is there is just a lot of space in an atom. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like 99%. Yeah. And electricity and magnetism, as well as quantum mechanics, is what makes it hard for us to actually... You would think we could just walk right through anything. Nothing should be solid. There's so much empty space there. You should just be able to go through it. So you would think if you were clever enough, there would be a way to get around that problem. Um, and you know, thinking about vibrating things with electricity, that's kind of a clever way to go down, and it could happen. Um, messing somehow with quantum mechanics, that's what we talked about earlier. But I think Ben has it pretty right particularly with anything where you're putting energy in, like you're vibrating it, you're just so likely to melt and then figure out, then not be able to figure out how to unmelt once you're done. Mm-hmm. So you can get through, but then to have it reheal behind you is always the challenge with these things. Yeah. But well, worth thinking about. Although thinking about the empty space thing, I think back to the, old, the classic gold foil experiment where they fired atoms through the gold foil without damaging it. Not always. Mm-hmm. Also put lots of holes in. But... <laughs> That made me think, well, if, you know, if you just go fast enough. <laughs> well, here's a, yeah, it could be the Harry Potter effect. If you run at the wall fast enough, that's you go through. It's scientifically sound. Well, so here, here's another interesting idea. I remember there was this, I had this really amazing uh, conversation with a woman in college. We were talking about her tongue ring. And so <laughs> she was... I, I really want to know how it got here from, <laughs> up from portable holes, but I'll go... It's, no, I'm coming to a place. It was a really interesting conversation because she was talking about how... Uh, we're talking about sacrifice and how I told her she sacrificed a piece of her tongue because um, she was against it. Long story. But anyway, she said she had this great response and she said, I didn't. I just moved the tongue out of the way, which sounds silly. But in actuality, that's what happens when you pierce something. If I pierce my ear or my tongue, you're not really destroying anything. You're just pushing a hole through it. And I'm, I, it's surprising to me that you couldn't because there's so much space in between atoms where you couldn't even temporarily just kind of push them out of the way and kind of walk through and then let them kind of come back. Yeah, it, and like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm in, I've, ever since you brought up this object as something we would look at, mm-hmm. it's the coming back that's intrigued me. You know, there's lots of times and lots of different powers of going through stuff that I've discussed, and it's always getting it back together that's the challenge. And I'm wondering if what you focus solely on are going through, say, solid walls. Mm-hmm. Because they're, which don't have a whole lot of structure, right? If, even if, so let's stay with the bank vault. Okay. Right. You're just trying to go through a metal wall and maybe a concrete outer layer. 
it's pretty uniform, unstructured mm, material. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not having to recreate something highly complicated. Yeah. And you're really moving those atoms out of the way. So you could imagine doing something locally, like you said, that the atoms kind of collapse on themselves and all that space between them now becomes accessible to you. And when you turn off that field, all you're asking them to do is kind of re-expand and blow up again without a whole lot of structure. Now, you might not get quite, you know, steel is kind of interesting. It's a, It's got some other stuff in it besides the carbon, mm-hmm. you know, so it might not come back perfect. You might leave a flawed section of the vault behind. Like scar tissue. Like scar tissue. Good for the next guy. Good for <laughs> the next guy who wants to just break it easily. But... You do get closer with this idea of pushing things and then letting them come back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me give you one other thing. I got one other thing for you. So this is this is an in real life example. This I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, using this is in June of 2017, so very recent. Um, using a most the most powerful laser ever, uh, the scientist was able to strip an iodine atom of all of its electrons, which essentially created like an atom-sized black hole by vacuum, and it started gobbling up all the other electrons around it, creating like a mini black hole, what they feared would happen, you know, when CERN was turned on. So you right. can, you know, and it, it obviously didn't destroy the world, it just kind of like ate a bunch of stuff and then blew up. But what if you could make a black hole big enough that would just eat all the atoms around it to a certain point and then evaporate, you know, via Stephen Hawking radiation, and then you had your hole left over? Um, not so, not so bad. Thank you. Um, the challenge, of course, is getting the whole form again. Mm. And this is where I wonder. I mean, I, I do think at some point we're going to figure out how to manipulate gravity, and that would take a lot of energy. So you've got another aspect here when we talk about shrinking the spaces between the atoms or moving them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was wondering, and I this I couldn't quite get it to work. But if you warp actual space with your portable black hole mm-hmm. on the other side of it could that be done to create the equivalent of you know a wormhole or black hole in a very small region like a three inch wormhole a three inch wormhole <laughs> that you <laughs> then stuck your stuck your arm through so I, I think that's another direction to go and it it really is fascinating to me you know are we at some point going to be able to figure out how to manipulate gravity like we do electricity and magnetism I mean If you look at what we did in you know just over a hundred years from when people really f- got serious in the 1800s about playing with electricity till now, mm-hmm. you know a lot of the stuff we do now, people in the 1800s would have said was impossible. Like there's no way you could do that right. and control electricity that well. So it's an interesting idea. I like I like your black hole direction, Dan. Hmm. Well, thank you very much. This is what I do. Um, and in closing, this is not really um, black hole ish, but there, I, I thought this was kind of cool. There's this interesting subject uh, object it's called vanta black it's actually not an object it's kind of like a spray mm-hmm. uh, but it absorbs 99.96 of visible light which essentially creates a black hole um, that's literally just black it doesn't it's not a black hole like the way you know described <laughs> in the universe but it creates a hole that is almost impossible to see and if you spray it on like a highly detailed object all the details go away and creates yeah. like a shadow I just thought that was really interesting. And that gets us through the wall. How? It doesn't at oh, all. Okay, good. Just, it's just interesting. Yeah, if you wanted to paint a black hole on the wall yeah. via, you know, like Wiley Coyote, you could do that yeah. to a high level of accuracy. Uh, so I, I think we got a couple of good viable op- options here. 
Yeah, no, and I, I think the thing to come back to is what's super cool in technology is how great we're getting at miniaturizing one. Mm. And what's super cool in the future is we have yet figured out, we have not yet figured out how to miniaturize gravity, but I think we will at some point. Mm-hmm. And that will open up all sorts of new areas. I agree. Do you think we'll be able to harness all that gravity once we uh, figure it out, Ben? Yeah, with enough power. So the power's the issue? Yeah, he always worries about power. I don't know. Just build solar cells, I say, even though he claims they don't have power. They will. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fair. Um, Well, so this this is very, in the near future, we'll have portable holes. And either as a foreshadow or a review, I do want to mention that the incredible movie They Live, uh, their wristwatches do create portable holes out of nowhere. Uh, Roger Rabbit has portable holes. And even D&D has little pocket dimensions, bags of holding. So these things are very popular. Uh, and much when things become super popular, people try to create them in real life. Uh, so I think this is close to happening. So uh, I think you guys, I think all of us, this will be used in the future as research. And I think we may have helped really push this field along. So I want Thank you guys for that. Thank Thank you. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Go to fgbt.com. That's fgbt.com. One more time, fgbt.com to learn more about our shows, our experts, and to subscribe to the show. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Play and tune in. You can also check out new articles, new advancements in technology that will support what we talked about because this stuff's always going on. These developments are always happening and sooner or later you may even find us behind one of these inventions. Who knows? Check it out, fgbt.com. and if you like this show, you'll love Fascinating Nouns, my latest podcast on all things in the world, basically. Uh, I find an expert uh, about an interesting topic. We talk for an hour. It's a great show, fascinatingnouns.com. And if you like these two shows, you're going to love everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.